Training, mindset, integrity, incremental improvement. What can you do better today? Start right here with the Pendola Project. Welcome back, everyone. This is Matt Pendola with your Monday Motivation. Today, I have a very special guest with me, Michelle Krakora. Michelle, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm wonderful. And we have you on the show today because we have a very special story to share about motivation and specifically about getting through the tough times. And in this case, it was with an injury that your son had. His name is Gage, and he has been training here at Pendola with me for a few months now. It's been a really great journey. But before we get to that, let's just talk about you a little bit. What is your history? What's your background? Sure. So my husband and I both grew up in small towns. Uh, He was in Northern California. I was in upstate New York. And we just grew up with the message from our parents that if you work hard, you want something, go figure it out and do it. And you definitely took that to heart. You yourself have been pretty successful in your own life, in your own profession, as well as George. Let's hear a little bit about what you guys have done through your education. I know that's very important to you. And I always uh, talk to my athletes about being a student first. Well, really a person first and then a student and then an athlete. But let's talk a little bit about your history there and why education is so important to you. Sure. So my father dropped out of high school uh, about a month before his graduation to um, enlist in the army to go to Vietnam and he is the one in my life who always told me if you get an education sorry I'll get emotional you know nobody can take it from you oh I love that your dad obviously set a very uh, good precedence for you and you took that to heart right and and no this is I love emotion into these kind of stories because that is what I really myself I glue to those kind of stories and I remember these kind of stories, right? So this is what kind of set the table for you as a parent, isn't it? Sure. And so you are now, let's talk about your education a little bit. So where did you go to school? So I graduated from Cornell University in 1993 and I went directly to law school at George Washington University and graduated from there and just started working as a lawyer when I was 25. You might be the only lawyer that I've ever liked. (laughs) That's a good thing. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And when did you meet George? Did you meet him in school? Yeah. So George and I met in January 1994. Um, It was right after uh, winter break, and he was a first-year medical student at George Washington, and I was a first-year law student. Uh, I had just gotten back to D.C., and a friend of mine wanted to go to a med school party. It was snowing, and I offered to drive because I'm from upstate New York, and the snow didn't concern me, (laughs) and I didn't want to drink. So we went to this party, and that's where I met George and a bunch of other people drinking that night, and I just drove him around D.C., and the rest is, I guess, history. I love it. So you guys, obviously, as parents now, will talk a bit about Gage and what is important to you as parents and this process that Gage has gone through, I think setting this table up is important. Now, I didn't personally have a lot of emphasis on education in my upbringing. I certainly wish I had more influence there at the time. But, you know, really with myself, I really look up to people like yourselves. And as parents, I'm taking notes. I'm, I'm <laughs> learning because 
my daughter, Mia, who I talk about a lot on the podcast. She is certainly um, a student and uh, an athlete after that. And of course, like we say, we want to be a person first. So let's first talk about what kind of person Gage is before we get into the injury and the history there. What kind of uh, person is your son, Gage? Sure. So Gage is fiercely competitive. And he's fiercely independent. He just came out that way. We haven't been able to tell Gage what to do since day one. Um, those two things things combined make him difficult at times to be his parents because he doesn't like the word no, doesn't like to be told what to do, which, if I'm being honest with myself, is exactly how I am. So we know where it came from. Um, when we talk about Gage, I just think the word intense is the one word that defines him, which is really great a lot of the times and really difficult some of the times. Um, I always tell him he has to stay out of his own way because sometimes his intensity gets the best of him for sure. And then sometimes his intensity is just amazing to see, whether it's on the baseball field or in the classroom. When he wants to do something, he does it. Yes. I've, well, I've seen that myself here at the facility with, with Gage. And we, we had a couple days that were tougher because he was so tough on himself. And I think we've made some progress there. We'll talk about how we're coming along there in a little bit. But I like what you said there about having a person make their own decisions and being independent enough. As a parent myself, I want to see that Mia is thinking for herself and then at the same time being respectful of the rules. It's a hard balance, isn't it? Sure, it really is. And I think it's harder uh, in this generation because that doesn't get reinforced all the time by other adults in their life. Um, an example, Gage used to walk to the Collin Club, which was about three quarters of a mile from our house on a path when he was se seven. And I would get calls from people freaking out because Gage was out there by himself walking to the Collin Club. And I thought, wow, okay, wh what am I doing wrong? And then I thought, no, it makes him feel like a big kid. He calls me when he gets there. And I'm just um, nurturing his nature. He wants to do this. He wants to go down there and be on his own. And we were okay with it. So it's hard because sometimes what you're doing um, isn't what other people are doing or most other people are doing. And so then you feel, I question myself. Oh, absolutely. And I, I love what you said there, nurturing his nature. We have talked about Annie Turner's podcast, which if you guys haven't listened to that one, it's it's on Tough Love. And I know you like that podcast, right? You told I did. me. <laughs> what did you like so much about what Annie was saying there? I just liked that she kept talking about how, uh, you know, we have expectations and our kids are expected to meet our expectations. Um, you know, if, and she talked about education, putting that first and doing your best no matter what you're doing. Uh, just very important. Just simple truisms, I guess, that George and I grew up hearing, which still makes sense to us. Um, so I just really appreciated everything she had to say as far as I don't think of it as tough love I just think of it as you know if you're in my house that's how I'm going to be I'm not going to give you a participation trophy for showing up today like you're going to have to earn that and so yeah because I had a frank talk with you one day about when I was a coach for cross country and track and don't get me wrong I had a lot of great experiences but 
one of my decisions besides just being a business decision and time management and having a daughter that I will be going to her soccer. I was actually at her soccer game this morning. So, but I also decided to move on from that experience in part because it seemed to me like the helicopter parenting was getting worse. And I wanted to hold my athletes feet to the fire. Those truisms. I like that word you talked about and yeah, a little tough love, but I also feel like I wasn't going to tell them good job unless they really put the work in and with, and, and also that they were consistent with that. But, you know, I really felt like I was maybe starting to be just aged out almost. Can you talk to me about that a little bit? Cause you mentioned the pressures almost from other parents maybe, and what culture expects. Um, you know, again, you brought up so many good points here, but just having Gage walk to the Collin club, which, you know, this is just a, a, a local uh, place to train and stuff where it's, I know Collin ranch area. It's a very nice area. There's not crime. There's not a lot of crime or anything there. It's not a lot to worry about. And there's actually paths that go right to the Collin club. You're not even crossing the street. So tell me a, a little bit though, about why you decided that it was important for Gage to take those kind of responsibilities on and just trusting that process and maybe not listening so much to the criticisms? Well, I think at the end of the day, Gage taught me to do that because he just wanted to. And he, when he asked me, Mommy, why can't I? I didn't have a good answer. And he felt like he could, and I didn't want to make him afraid. So, you know, off he went. And that's just one example. Um you know, you said something about making people earn it. The first time Gage earned a trophy, it was baseball. Um, he, I think he was seven, and they, it was of the age where they actually made it to a tournament and they won the championship. So they got this huge trophy. It was probably bigger than all of them. You know, it was for the team. And he came running up to me and said, Mommy, we actually won that. We really won it. They didn't just give it to us. And literally, he was seven. So when I say all I'm doing, Matt, is following his lead, it's really true. <laughs> it's very true. I love that. And you said you didn't want to get in the way of Gage's own process. Sure. And this is this is another thing that if I, as a parent, if if I, this morning, I was watching Mia play, and she talked about another kid on the field that they're young. I mean, she's eight. And this girl is probably, I believe, 10. And from what I know, this this girl has been playing soccer for four years. A lot more skill set involved. She's been you know, working at this for a while. And Mia was being much more aggressive because we talked about just get to the ball and then just don't worry so much about whether or not you're going to be able to hold on to it while you're dribbling or whether this girl is going to get it from you again. So afterwards, she said, well, she keeps getting the ball. And I said, well, if you want to be that good at soccer, then play more and we have to practice more. And I'm, and as a, as a parent, you know, that part of my decisions running my facility is that I have to be done early enough to get home so we can practice. So those, those, uh, that's available to her, but I'm still trying to walk that line where I tell her the truth, like, Hey, you have to practice more. If it, don't complain that somebody's better than you or getting the ball from everybody instead decide what you can do is, is you can own that. And that is the process that you want to be in. Right. And 
whether or not she ever gets great at soccer is is not my concern, but more about what she learns in that process. So maybe t- talk a little bit about an experience that you had with, with Gage and why you think his process to success has been uh, so instrumental because obviously Gage is, he's a phenomenal athlete and he's really, I've trained a lot of athletes and Gage is the definition of an athlete. He's, he really is driven. He has uh, lots of, lots of attributes that I think takes years to learn so that he's getting these, uh, these attributes mastered. Uh, even I would say it's never mastered, right. But he's even getting to the point where I think as a young man, he's going to be just so successful in life. It's an easy thing to call because of the process. I think that he has learned. So talk a little bit about that to me. So I think that again, just his nature of wanting to win when you asked him when we first came here you know what's your bottom line and he looked at you like you were kind of crazy it's to win um and i think that gage has always wanted to do that he when his sister started soccer since we're talking about soccer i think she was three or four so he was five or six and we were walking out the door and said oh honey you know just do your best and he literally spun her around grabbed her by her shoulders and looked her in the eye and said just make sure your best is better than everybody else's and that goes back to um katie's podcast she said it's you know my kids hate to lose more than they love to win and that's gage So he, from a very young age, four years old when he started soccer, just he, it's just who he is. He just loves to compete. He just loves to be out there and compete and he wants it to be hard. He wants to earn it. He's just always been that way, Um, which is what made this injury so much harder on him and our whole family, really. Yeah, let's, that's a perfect segue. So we can talk now a little bit about the injury. When when did this first occur? What was it like for you as a parent? Because I know that's got to be heart-wrenching when, you're, when your kid is injured, when they're in pain in, in any sense of the word, but uh, knowing that you are there again to support him, but also that you can't do anything but support him. You, I wish that I could take the pain on sometimes for my athletes. I wish I could have the injury instead, but it can't, that can't be the case. We can't do that. And so even as a coach, I've, I've really, sometimes I feel like I'm even emotionally drained when one of my athletes has worked so hard, they're now in pain and we might not uh, get through it in time for a certain goal. And that's heart wrenching. So let's talk a little bit about that story and, and what you did as a parent and George as well to support Gage. Sure. Well, you're right. It was exhausting. It is exhausting sometimes, but overall I would describe the process for us, all of us as exhausting. Um, For Gage, it wasn't an injury where one day he broke something or, you know, tore a ligament or, you know, there wasn't a concrete, this is what happened. It was starting in 2018 of knee pain and it was going in and trying to figure it out. And he has, he had Osgood Schlater's, which is very common in growing boys. And so we were attributing the pain to that. That was in his right knee. And then suddenly his left knee started hurting and we could see it when he was playing basketball, running, baseball, whatever he was doing. We could see it, but we just thought, I mean, you know, he's growing. He has Osgood Schlater. It's, it should be fine. 
um, that was 2018, 2019, January, he was playing on an AAU basketball team and he basically made the decision to stop playing because it hurt and he wanted to be ready for baseball tryouts, uh, which were in, gosh, May for the summer ball team going in as a freshman to high school. And that's something Gage looked forward to since I think he was like six years old and heard about Reno High and their baseball program. So um, you can jump in if I'm going on too long, no? Okay. But uh, so he just focused on baseball and, you know, just tried to train and get ready for tryouts. Um, he played in a tournament on a team he guest played about two weeks before tryouts, and he just came out and was in so much pain. And I said, okay, Gage. And honestly, Matt, I was a little annoyed with him at this point. It's like, oh, Gage, geez, if it hurts, you shouldn't play. Why are you telling me now? And he kept saying, it doesn't hurt till I play. Um, we made the appointment, we got him in, and they found something called an osteochondritis desiccans lesion in his left femur, which is basically a dead spot on his bone. Uh, it was in a strange spot. It was in a spot where 1% of these things show up, and it was huge. So we were, George, when I called George and told him what he had, he just kept saying, no way. It just, you know, we just didn't know what was there. So there wasn't an, an event or a, oops, he fell or twisted wrong or whatever. It was just years of him being very active and, you know, genetics and everything else. I mean, it was just, just a bad draw, really. And George, he has obviously some background here, and he's a radiologist, right? Right. So this must have been kind of tough for him to maybe let go of the reins as Gage went through PT. And I, I happen to know his PT and uh, that program with John Hodges. So let's talk a little bit about that process, though, because I know that while it was certainly very beneficial, it was a long road and it was a tough road to get through. And, and I'm impressed with George that he trusts people the way he does and says, hey, and yourself as well, but just, hey, you know, this is my pride and joy, and I will trust that you are going to put him through the right progressions and give those reins over, even though I know a lot about this, right? Sure, and, uh, you know, we, we actually don't. Um, with you, we trust you, and with John, we trusted John, but it took us a while to get there, and it was definitely um, some issues in between. Gage had surgery in June 2019, and we took him out of Reno for that to a um, pediatric orthopod in Sacramento. Um, to say I went into mom mode when we found out two weeks before his baseball tryouts what was going on. And at that point, we didn't know. We still didn't know. They said, well, give it six weeks to rest. And then we started looking into it and just freaking out because nothing said six weeks. Everything said months. So we got him down to Sacramento. Uh, the surgery was in June. And the protocol after that was six months of doing nothing. And, I mean, you've met Gage. He's never been that inactive. That's not protocol, by the way. <laughs> I mean, you know well, what I'm saying. Well, six months of no sports. Yeah, that, no, I, I <laughs> yeah, and I, uh, this is where John Hodges, I always give him a lot of credit that he wants an athlete to be an athlete and to get them back as soon as they can. But even when, when I say as soon as they can, the, the right way, 
But even when they are going through a period like that, you find things for them to be still competitive in. You find that that window where they're still feeling like a teammate, that they still have that type of challenge in front of them, even if it's through PT, right? Right. And so um, during those six months, I think Gage, just as you described, he did have challenges. He First of all, he was at every baseball practice, every baseball scrimmage, every baseball game, uh, besides the day he had surgery, maybe a couple days after that. He was he felt part of the team because he knew or we kept telling him just you know do what you're told in six months it'll be fine you'll be ready for spring season um in that six months he was doing pt there were some pt fails we'll say where george took over his pt so he didn't step back we have we have a massage table in our downstairs and it was very simple what he could and couldn't do he had his his leg in a brace and he couldn't bend it more than certain degrees it wasn't complicated Um, and George understood what he should be doing so George worked with them and then Gage himself he focused on his upper body I mean he really he went to the gym every day he really you know bulked up up top and just took his focus somewhere else Oh, I love that yeah so those first six months everything was going as planned it's it's really at that point when we went in at six months and the bone had healed as hoped and I all of us George Gage and I all thought great let's go and that's when the real fun started I mean he tried to you know just go out and run and you know first his ankle hurt then his the inside of his calf hurt then his hip really started hurting and this is when we finally found John Okay. Yeah. Okay. That that makes sense. And one thing I want to just bring up is sort of the ramping process that has to occur when you're returning to sport. But with somebody like Gage, it's really hard not to do too much too soon because he is so competitive, right? And as a mother, as as a father, I know you guys wanted to support him, but also for his own mental health to allow him to sort of push the barrier a little bit and see what he could do. I imagine that was more important probably than anything else at that point, right? It really was. We really just wanted him to feel like himself. Mm-hmm. And moving and playing with balls, I don't care what kind of ball it is, it was is Gage. So he was starting practices and, you know, trying. And it just, the first time I saw him run... George and I looked at each we couldn't believe that was Gage running I mean it, he wasn't really running you it, it just didn't look right um so John was working with him at this point and with PT it wasn't the injury it was the rest of his body that now he'd been um accommodating his injury for two years really th- that we didn't know about and in making up for it in other ways so his hips and he'd grown four inches you know his hips and his everything was off and we had to get it realigned and reconnected and with John it was you know two steps forward and 85 steps backwards because he would do what he was supposed to do with PT and then he'd go and like you said he's competitive and he you can't tell him to go out there and not try so he would try and it would hurt and that really threw him for a loop because up to that point in his life he could always make something happen and his body just wasn't doing what he wanted and needed it to do So with Gage, I used to say everything happens for a reason. 
And now I've kind of changed my language. We talk more about let's make everything that happens for a reason. Let's restructure our thought process and shout out to Gabby Williams. I've used her name a lot of times in her road back and with Gage in particular, because of course she's a big name and I know that he can see what she ended up being able to do and what she is still doing because she really embraced that process through that injury cycle. And eventually it was more about, well, this really was something I needed to go through and I needed to understand how much and how important it was for me to be an athlete and to be out there and just instead of constantly worrying about the stats or constantly thinking about what championship you'll win or whether or not you get such and such a scholarship or whether or not you get picked up by, you know, this, that, or the other association, it's, it was more about, I love this and I'm so happy to be able to do this again. So when I got a call from you, that was really more about the first conversation we had was more about his mental health and how he was associating his process, right? Absolutely. When I reached out to you, it was uh, the end of June, mid to late June this year. And he had, um, you know, COVID hit. COVID was just horrible for him. He, he loves structure going to school, going to practice, going to the games, and all of that was ripped away from him, as with everybody else. He was still working out in the backyard, and he was running, and he said his knee felt funny, and then it blew up because, you know, long story short, he basically had a reaction to one of the absorbable screws that were in there, and they needed to stick a scope in there again to make sure nothing got hurt, the, car the cartilage was okay, and it was. Um, but now he's six weeks again nursing a you just had a scope stuck in your knee so you can't go hard um, baseball had started up June 15th ish and he was much better than he had been initially but still didn't look right and I just said George we have got to take the focus off this kid's knee he is going to lose his mind <laughs> so that's when I called you and I think I used those exact words I said please, John, the PT, doesn't think he's ready for training yet, but can you work on his upper body? Because he needs to focus on what he can do and just look forward and, you know, not have the knee just consume him, which at that point, this is when I say we were exhausted. We were exhausted talking about the knee, trying to figure out why his hip hurt. You know, it was, exa it was exhausting. Well, I, you know, giving John credit too is I remember he called me and we had a conversation about this and he recognized why it was important that Gage got in here. And I'll be honest with you, I don't know if we've really talked about this before, but I wasn't looking to take on more athletes. And I, I believe it was a bit of a wait before I could even get Gage in, which I wanted to help sooner, but... Uh, you know, I was just slammed over the summer and I was working a bit at the Olympic Training Center, et cetera. So when I got back, I I didn't even have a text back to you yet about his training, but you texted me and, you know, we're ready to go. And uh, I was just driving back actually from the Olympic Training Center and thinking to myself, okay, is this going to be uh, can I serve this this kid well? I, I don't want to do this if I'm not going to be able to stick with it. 
And uh, I gave John um, a, a quick call, and we talked again. And 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 John just really recognized uh, what special uh, what's special about Gage too. And uh, he said, you know, you're going to love training this kid. You're going to love working with this kid. And Gage, uh, the first assessment we did, which was I did want to get him going on a daily protocol. So that was prior to that. Uh, you know, he didn't say much. I didn't get to a lot out of him, except for I want to win, right? Right. <laughs> and I'm looking for like the legacy answers, you know, more of those intrinsic responses, and then realizing that actually, look, there's nothing wrong with wanting to win. And then the more I got to know Gage, the more I realized that uh, he really is a person who's leaving a legacy with even his his uh, his teammates, with his life, with the kind of person he is. Every day he walks the walk. He is living the legacy, and he just wants to get back to winning. And then I realized that um, through our discussions and through getting to get to know Gage a little bit more, that I, I felt like I could I could help him. And and slowly, I think we started to create a little bit more of a bond together. And with John, again, I give credit to those guys because sometimes PTs are pretty guarded on sharing clients and. Uh, I promised John I'm going to send the spreadsheet, what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. And uh, his his guy that was working with Gage, he looked everything over and we communicated on that. So when Gage made that transition to doing everything with me, I felt like I had a good idea. Um, but again, you know, kudos to Nevada Physical Therapy for having that communication going. I can't tell you how many times I've asked therapist to give me notes, give me anything that I can use for the athlete. And I never get a word. And so it just takes a little bit more time. But that being said, we still had a lot to do and we still have a lot to do, but I think this last month has been just phenomenal, but I would mainly say that it's about getting to know Gage and his true why. And from there talking a little bit more about we're going to call it his central governor. This is something that Tim Noakes has written a lot about, but uh, I kind of call it the boss of your brain. And it's basically telling you, hey, we might get injured again here. This might be our capacity. This is our set point. And we have to retrain the brain, if you will, in my mind, to get rid of some of those uh, even phantom pains. Um, so again, I want to reiterate that Gage feels real pain, but there's also some of those pain signals, I think, that can get dictated through uh, stress and anxiety and just worrying. And so that's where I think we've made maybe the most amount of progress. Um, and then it was just these little details. We realized with Gage that with his uh, cutting type of drills, when he was doing agility drills, that we had to work more on his MTP, uh, you know, from basically the base of his foot guys and up and really pay close attention to those positions that he was in. And I mentioned that because a lot of kids gauge, gauges age, they might be given the right instructions, especially for daily protocol. But, you know, they just kind of go through the motions. They don't pay enough attention to where their foot position is, if their ankle is, is lined up in that position, and then all the way up their body, their chain. And I can say that Gage's progressions are, I mean, they're ridiculous. And you know this because I write out a plan, and then it's just now I'm sending, I just sent you new progressions again today. Right. 
that we did because he is already past uh, that because he works so hard at it because he doesn't miss a day. And that, I mean, that's so rare with a kid his age. I know he'll be embarrassed hearing this, but it just is. And I wish that I could bottle that up. But he is just, I mean, he's in rarefied air there. He's with kids like Gabby, who I just, she works so hard. She gets mad, Michelle, when people say that it's talent that got her to where she is. I mean, sure, you do have to be talented enough. And Engage certainly is talented. But to really get to that next level, injury or no injury, you just, you have to be consistent. You have to pay attention to the details and you have to be mature. So let's just talk a little bit. I mean, how is Gage? I feel like he's beyond his years. He's, he's quiet, but he is just, I mean, it's almost like he's quiet because he'd rather just absorb everything around him and what you're saying. And he, and he doesn't need to be heard. He's just going to take action. So how did you, how did you bake a cake like this with Gage? I mean, what did you do? I don't, I don't know, but I love hearing you say that because, um, his whole life I've, he's a thinker and he'd walk into a room and he likes to take it in and figure it out. He likes to figure it out, whether it's a classroom or, you know, some sports team or whatever. He was always that kid. I could see his little mind working. So the fact that you just said that is just so amazing to me because as I've been telling you, you know, Gage, and that's why this is working. Gage trusts you and he wants to be here. Um, and that it took a while for us to get here. And I can finally say the injury is behind him and us. And he has through you in this training structure and consistency and progress every day. So when we first came here, you know, I was practically dragging Gage here to, and I said to him, you know, we're going to give this 30 days Gage. Okay, and you, so you commit to 30 days and then we'll reassess. And that first day, if you remember when you did all those um, measurements with him on his foot and whatever, I mean, like you said, he did he say two words? I don't think so. Um, I don't know how, when you said things happen for a reason, I mean, okay, this injury, COVID, you know, right now, if there wasn't COVID, he wouldn't be able to be here at 1030 in the, in the day. So scheduling would be difficult. Oh man, that's I love that you just brought that up because that's a real silver lining in this situation we're in now with COVID. You just brought up a reason why this is actually happening for Gage and not to Gage. And yet he's maximizing the time he has with me because he does have this opportunity and the 30-day process, I mean, that's another thing we sh- we shared together is most of the time when I do take on a new athlete, it's that first 30 days. If I lose them, then I pretty much lost them forever. And sometimes it's uh, mutual. We just don't connect or something. And then we do have those athletes that tend to stay with me. Well, most of my athletes have been with me for years and years. That's why I don't really have a lot of room in my schedule, but also with with Gage, I I feel like he has taken what he's learning to the next level. I expect an athlete to to do the work and to be consistent. And I will say my athletes are those kind of people or they don't last here. Right. And I Gage is that kind of person. And you told me that the first call I had that, you know, you'll know if he's doing his protocol and if he's not, you won't be able to keep training with him. 
And Gage just loves that. Gage loves a challenge. He loves to be held to those types of standards. Um, how did I bake this cake, you asked? I've always told both my kids, you know, never lower your expectations of yourself. No matter where you are and what people are expecting of you, don't settle. Mediocrity is not okay. And, you know, Gage, again, it's in his nature, but that's our standard. I mean, I don't care if you get 500 times to take a test or you get to hand things in late or whatever to get a grade. It's the first time that counts with me. And so you and Gage just clicked. And when I saw them, it was like a just, you can't even imagine the weight lifted off our shoulder. And he is just thriving. Um, you know, the COVID, again, with the scheduling, it's amazing that he can be here and do this. And that helps him get through the fact that baseball still isn't really happening nothing feels right it's they're practicing but they're not even on their fields i mean everything's crazy so he's not playing baseball games like he expected he would be but since he's spending his time getting ready for when that opportunity presents itself he's so much better i love that and you're talking about a kid who's very focused on the present and just today we had a challenge for him a very specific challenge and it was on a broad jump drill that we were doing and uh, I wanted for people listening you're not going to know what the relevance this drill is but he was he was trying to get a new PR and he not only got it he we did three sets he got it three times and the last one was exceptionally exceptionally fast and he was just so present and what was he saying be uh, be right be be here be right be, right. right and those those things are i can't coach that i can't teach that to somebody i can say it i can say the right words to every athlete and some athletes are going to choose to focus now and be a better version of themselves every day and all these things we talk about but you know i think that in that struggle when we're trying to deal with injuries and COVID and all the things that are around us that it's easy to have that closed mindset. We talked about being able to have the right um, joy and, and, and really be able to think about what it is that brings him joy in his life. And of course, you know, just playing baseball makes him so happy. And he talked about the number nine today was just his number. And I think that number alone and just uh, just that that idea that it I'm here right now to choose to be better today than I was last week at this. And I've done my protocol every day. And, you know, Pandola just gave me new protocol to do. I have now a progress protocol because I am a better version of me than I even was a week or two ago. So why not go faster right now? Why can't I be faster? Why can't I be as explosive as I ever was? And, you know, I can tell you that there's, there's a fine line to me about just really believing what you say, all right, to yourself and just that whole fake it till you make it type of scenario. And for a while, I think you can fake it till you make it to a point, but you have to believe it. You have to believe it. And so what I talk about a lot of times is that, 
if you say something just like me, uh, another athlete might be really, really um, competitive and you might look up to that athlete. But if you start to realize that that athlete is just like me, we have more similarities than differences. And I can see in him that he's starting to realize that his potential is so high and he's he's just getting to the point where I think that light is at the end of the tunnel with his training and he can see that potential shining through again. And that's where I think um, the magic really is. And that's where I think that you start to forget about or you don't worry about whether or not you're going to get injured again because you know that you've done the work. You And why worry about something you can't control? You're just going to take over now what you can control. I can control better power output, better mass-specific force. Why? Because I've done my daily work, my MTP joint work, etc. I'm more stable. I'm I'm better balanced. I have more to give now to this sport, and I'm going to show it. Right, and and that's um, thanks to you because when Gage got here, geez, Matt, I mean, not only do I say he wasn't Gage because he wasn't playing a sport. I mean, it, we're focused on baseball because that's what he chose in high school, but before that, he played every sport, and every coach he's ever had said things like you just said, you know, I can't teach that. What he does there, I can't teach it. We, I've, it's some of the words you use I've heard over and over and over again through the years. So when Gage got here, not only was he not Gage because he wasn't playing, physically he couldn't, but mentally he was scared. And he wasn't sure uh, where this was all going to go because it had been really two years that he'd been in pain. And in the first year, he could mask it until it got to the point where he needed the surgery. And after the surgery... I think he was just appalled that he still had pain and he sees progress with you because um, you figure out why it matters where his toes are and how that translates up his leg and he sees it correcting and it just it then goes mental and it's all great and that mental the mental conversations you have with him George and I laugh we're like this is the best investment we've ever made because it's not just about Gage's physical health. It's about his mental health. And we love it. And, you know, it is an investment for sure. But, of course, we're going to do that for our kid who tries so hard and just wants to get better. That's all That's all he wants. Uh, yeah. And I, we'll, I think we're, we're going to just wrap up soon. But we're going to talk a little bit about some of the low points here even with me uh, there was a low point about a month ago mm-hmm. now gage is such a good athlete i had to you mentioned just focusing on his his toes right i i had to look at my coach's eye literally my my video that i i had of him to realize that there was compensation still occurring because as an athlete, he looked so good and so relaxed and fast. I didn't catch it. And then we also had just a little bit of a wardrobe malfunction with the wrong shoes. And so we could talk about that because I know you told him time and time again, you need the right shoes. I did, Matt. (laughs) It's just, it's funny because sometimes, I mean, Gage still is a 15-year-old boy whose mother's 
in his face a lot. And if he's going to prove me wrong, if there's an opportunity, he'll take it. Just that's the nature of being 15. And so Gage and I can battle on things. And I have to learn to pick my battles with him. But the shoes, I mean, when he started back in January and, you know, first his ankle hurt, I said, Gage, what shoes are you wearing? We have to get you new shoes. And I ordered him a whole bunch of shoes from Amazon. So there was like a shoe store in our house. He didn't want any of them. I didn't know this. Oh, he didn't want any of them. Okay. So I sent them all back and I made the decision. Well, I can't do this for him. I can't make him wear these shoes. And then how, how frustrating is it that I just say to him, okay, you need some shoes that are actually designed for agility. And that night he's sending me, he's researching the shoes he wants. He's sending me... And the next time he comes in, he has the shoes, which, of course, you got uh, you went out and got for him and you went into, you know, that bear mama mode. I'm going to get him the shoes and he's going to be ready. Um, But, you know, that must be frustrating sometimes. It it actually isn't because I only know Gage as he is. And that's that's who he is. He and I don't blame him, quite frankly, up to that point. We had been telling him, Gage, just do your PT or do your stretches. Your knee's fine. And it wasn't. So. I mean, he had to doubt what we were saying or, you know, think we didn't know what we were talking about. And I don't blame him. And he also, kids want control. And he wasn't going to let me tell him what shoes to wear. So I am just thrilled that you noticed it. And now he wears the right shoes. That's what we wanted when we brought him here. Um, We didn't know if here was going to be the last stop. We didn't know if it was going to be the first of many, but... We, we were looking for eyes on Gage. I don't care that he can deadlift however much he can deadlift. When I look at him and think it looks weird. And now he, it looks perfect because you are focusing from his toes up and making sure his body is in the best position it can be. And he's seeing the difference. He's feeling the difference. And most importantly, he's communicating with you. Oh, my gosh. You just <laughs> – I was just going to say – I have to really, that deadlift, we really wanted to get that right. And I, it's a different podcast to talk about why that's so important. But the fact is that it was Gage's communication with me that allowed us to figure out how he could improve that position, not only with the movement itself, but what we did preset to those movements so that he could feel, for example, his his lats engaged properly and really have that big chest and have a better thoracic extension through his lift, et cetera. And so when you say that to me, that means a lot. But I also, again, have to bring it back to the fact that Gage was not happy going through the lift, even when it looked pretty good to me until he felt right about it. And so that's the communication. And I don't think that a lot of, uh, especially kids communicate it's, uh, with coaches. I think a lot of times like they don't want to make a problem. They just want to do the work. They don't want to be a complainer. And so again, I have to bring that back to you. Why do you think it is that Gage is willing to communicate that way, especially for somebody we talked about as such a quiet guy? Yeah, you know, um, I think that piece of it, the communication, it's new for Gage and it's wonderful. He up to this point, and he was a kid, he is a kid, but he's a young adult now getting there. Um, like you said, he does, coaches love him because he works hard and he does what they tell him to do. And he hadn't figured out yet 
that it's okay to look at a coach and say, you're telling me to do this, but it doesn't feel right. You know, can we change it? And um, you one day told me you spent the whole time just trying to come up with the right words to cue him, which makes so much sense to me. And I think Gage going through that process with you was huge because now he knows he's in charge of his body. Only he can say what feels right and what doesn't feel right. And there's a million ways to do something really, right? Yes. So that outcome, I would I would invest three times as much as we've invested just for that outcome because it's going to carry him from here forward so that when sports do normalize and he does have the opportunities again, um, or we find opportunities for him, he has that tool that he didn't have before. So again, all of this has been horrible and exhausting, <laughs> but that part, you know, is a long, hard road for him to get there, but that's huge. And I think that's really going to help him, especially back to his intensity. If he can recognize that, um, geez, I just can't get this thing right. And I'm doing exactly what I was told to be doing. I'm doing exactly what I was told to do, but I still can't get it right. Now that he recognizes there's probably a different way. I can do it. I just have to figure out how my body is going to get there. It's huge. Oh, geez. I mean, that's, again, if parents listening, athletes listening, I know a lot of athletes listen to this show too. This is where we're talking about every body. So everybody is different and every body, people's bodies are different. And the signals we get, the communication literally that's happening with our central nervous system, what our brain is telling us, that's a different path for everybody. So this whole communication tool you're talking about now and realizing that whether you're an elite athlete or you're just trying to learn to move better, it's your process. It's your story. Don't let anybody else tell it. And I just, I think that that's such a strong point because if we all realize, like, you're worth it. You are, you are the reason why, at least as a coach, I am here serving an athlete. You're, you're the reason why I'm here right now. So if you can communicate with me on that and, and I can help you, that's only going to help your process. But quite honestly, it helps me as a coach in the future come up with maybe a cue that worked for Gage. Maybe it'll work for somebody else too. And now I have that as well, right? And so I think that when it comes to just all these lessons we've talked about today, I'm going to let you kind of close off this conversation with as a parent, if you had just a main lesson that you want people to take away uh, from today, what would you tell people listening? Wow, that's, it's hard for me to answer that because I really think everybody has to parent in a way that feels right to them. And I always say parenting is hindsight. You know, we can look back on a situation and say, ooh, mom fell. I should have done it this way, right? And I tell Gage all the time, I don't know why you think I know what I'm doing. This is the first time I've been the, the mother of a 15-year-old boy. You know, you got to cut me some slack. So I think I believe those things. And I have a good ability of not dwelling on things in the past, coulda, woulda, shoulda. It's like, okay, why am I going to spend my time there? Let's look forward and figure it out. So that's one thing to, you know, your kid 
they're, they're going to grow. They're going to hurt. It's hard to watch. They're going to change their mind. They're going to, you know, one day um, not want to wear a pair of shoes that you're telling them to wear, and the next day put on a pair of sh- the exact pair of shoes, you know. And it's just kind of going with the flow and letting them drive it. Um, back to the helicopter parenting, you sent me a text telling me I wasn't a helicopter parent, and I joke that I'm going to, like, print the text out and, like, frame it in my living room because at some point along the way, I just thought, I don't want to be that. I don't want to be that. And sometimes I am or have been over the years. I think we all are. But I do make a real effort to not be there doing things for them and letting them figure it out and try to do it themselves. So, you know, it's not the kids' fault, this generation, that everybody says they're so entitled and they can't do anything for themselves. Well, it's not the kids' fault. It's all of the adults who have set them up that way. So really well said. And guys, I know I learned a lot today from talking to you, but quite honestly, the amount of times that we've just had these organic conversations when you come to pick up Gage and I always sort of overspill uh, on that time because I just I I know last time that we talked, you said, sorry for taking up your time. And and I think to myself, you know, yeah, I should be better about my time and my schedule is is tight, but it is so worth it just to talk to you every time about your process as a parent, because like I said, I'm taking notes and it's only helping me as a parent with Mia. And so you guys are great. George as well. He came in uh, just this last uh, session earlier this week. And same thing. I learned so much every time I'm around you guys. You're you're better people. You really are. I, I truly sincerely mean that. So, hey, guys, um, thanks for listening today. I will tell you that I've gotten a lot of questions about MDP. So that's my project with the one and only Bobby McGee. That project that we've been working on is, well, it it's something that is a true passion of ours, Bobby being the head Olympic coach at the U.S. Triathlon Center. You can listen to his podcast earlier this year. Uh, he is really working diligently to put together his project uh, for conditioning, and I'm working hard to put together the project for strength. But we have booked out right now with our online coaching. Come 2021, these projects that we're working on are going to accumulate to systems that you can use online. I promise it's coming. But if anything, I guess I would just say it's about quality, guys, and I don't want to just put out something that's too generalized or something that... I feel like is not worthy of our guest listening. So guys, it is coming. I appreciate the patience. I appreciate the emails and, and uh, just all of the responses we're getting. The people like Sue Reynolds, who lost 200 pounds, and she's in Runner's World magazine this month, uh, just got off the phone with her before talking to Michelle. Uh, these kind of stories are just a part uh, of our process, a piece in the puzzle. But the reason why these stories are successful is because we have learned to individualize what we're trying to learn now as much as we can is how to serve you guys and get you across that line healthy and strong or even just getting in 
your physical preparation work with Aaron for goals uh, for a better butt, right? All of that is coming out in 2021. We are excited about it. Just hang on tight. We'll get that out to you guys as soon as we feel like the product is ready. I'll be announcing it. So thanks again for all of your support. We love you guys.